Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah, everybody having a good weekend so far? Pretty solid. Man, I saw lots of, uh, saw lots of great pictures on Facebook of uh, new families getting started this week, which was lots of, lots of fun. We were praying for some families. We had people that uh, were going through some tough times, people going through uh, some sickness. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, our family, uh, Eric and I, we've, uh, we're on the back end of, uh, what is it, like eight days now or something like that, seven days of cold. Erica's staying strong, though. She's a rock, man. She, uh, I think God knows that if she goes down, like we all go down. So she's had no problem. Uh, the rest of us, Eric, uh, Olivia, Ben, and, and um, myself, that's the third one. Uh, we're just, man, we're just surviving. So, um, but uh, I'm excited about today. Uh, man, I'll tell you what, this morning uh, I got together with... Uh, uh, I think we had like 31 people that came out to the sunrise service on Flagler Ave at 7 o'clock, which was a lot of fun. It was really cool. If, uh, if uh, you're an early riser, um, you know, feel free to come out and hang out with us on a Sunday. I see a couple faces today. Some people are double dipping. That's all right. Uh, maybe this message will be better than the first one you listen to. We'll see. Um, today I was supposed to uh, start a brand new collection of talks um, on uh, this guy in the Bible that we know of as Elisha. Um, but, uh, with everything that happened with me and my family this past week, you know, sometimes things get, uh, just a little bit off. Sometimes things don't go according to plan. Uh, and sometimes you got to kind of shift and adapt, right? Uh, anybody here, you, you know how to shift and adapt? Uh, a couple people do. Um, <clears throat> some people, we just call it, you fake it till you make it, right? Nobody ever does that, right? Um, but no, so this week I'm, uh, as we were going through the week, we had some things happen in our lives where kind of got to a point where uh, things were just not making sense to go with this Elisha series. So I'm like, man, I'm going to change it up just for this week, um, and we'll do something different next week. And so this week, I want to preach a message. If it had a title, um, it, would be, it would be what to do when you're lost. What to do when you're lost. Anyone here ever been lost before? Like, like in real, like maybe not lost spiritually, but some people are like, well, I've been lost spiritually. I'll raise the other hand up too. But you've been lost before, right? Husbands, we never admit this to our wives, right? We always know where we are. We might, be drive, we might drive 50 miles off course, but we, we still know. We're just taking the scenic route, right? Trying to show you what's up. Uh, my wife always gives me a hard time uh, when it comes, when, it's, when we're trying to come over the, the bridge because I take the wrong turn. It's, it's the one that all the snowbirds take and we're stuck behind 50, 50 million people that just don't know how to use turn signals and crap. Um, but I was uh, actually doing some research this past week. I stumbled upon a video, and this dad was talking about how uh, he had an issue where his son was trying to get to work, and he had to go leave the golf course and go fix his son's car because the battery had died. And because the battery had died, the GPS system in the car wasn't working. The son could not get to work because he used the GPS so much just to get around town, which is pretty crazy to think. But we live in this world now where where technology is just uh, used widely, right? We always, all of us use our phones. How many of you guys use Siri for, uh, 
for GPS instruction. Yeah, I had to change my voice uh, in Siri to a, a man's voice because I just had, I told Eric, I was like, man, I got too many women in my life telling me what to do anyways. I got to listen. I got to, someone else has got to give me something. But, uh, man, I, I mean, we use, I use my iPad stuff for fishing. Redneck, man, the redneck people in the, in the room today, like, we're getting serious about uh, trying, to, to, trying to find things, right? When it comes to fishing or hunting, you, know, you got some people that, like, these old guys are like, I'm, I only use a flip phone. But you better believe they got, like, a GPS satellite game trail camera sitting out in the woods. There's, like, 15 of them out there all hooked up into some network. And they're, when they get home, they're seeing every deer that was ever out there. Uh, you got... Fishermen, I was talking to a, a captain the other day talking about this, the craziness of technology and how they, they use it to locate the fish that can be something like 1,000 meters away from the boat and they can see where the fish is at. But we use all this technology, we use all these tools to make sure that we can find our way to where we're going to. Because when we're lost, it's, it's a tough time. It's, it can be a fearful time when, when you're lost. It can be one of those things where when you don't know what's next, you don't know which way to turn, it can bring lots of anxiety and tension and frustration. I don't think these are things that Jesus wants us to live in. And so today uh, I want to preach a message uh, entitled, What to Do When You're Lost. And so with that, let me pray for us and we'll jump right into it. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that uh, as the good Father that you are, that you would step in this morning uh, and minister to us. I pray that as I read this word, you would adjust my heart, adjust my words, adjust our hearts to be able to receive and hear from you what we need to get through this week and this next season of life. I pray that we would be malleable in your hands, that you would uh, not let us feel pain from, from the twinges of things that you want to change or the things that you're, you're convicting us of, God, but that we would sit here and in a peaceful, humble place, and that we would hear from you. And thank you so much for what's to come. In Jesus' name we pray, everybody said amen. Hey, before we jump into this word, I want to invite you guys to stand up all across this room for just the next couple minutes. Invite, uh, high five maybe three or four people around you. Get to know someone. Tell them where you're from. Uh, let's just spend uh, just a couple minutes connecting with one, one, with one another, doing community together. Everybody connected, man. Um, so we're going to start today out of the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 46. Uh, now Mark, uh, uh, many theologians believe, is written from the perspective of a man that followed and did life with Jesus. Uh, you would know him by the name of Peter. Uh, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, Peter was uh, a blue-collar, hard-working guy. You know, probably wasn't a super intelligent guy, uh, but he did not have a whole lot of quit in him. Uh, he just kept working, kept following Christ, and even after Christ uh, did what he did on the cross, he continued to pursue the mission that Jesus had set him on. And so Mark comes along, uh, many people believe that Mark comes along and writes from this perspective of Peter, 
uh, about the life of Jesus. And so in this time, in this book, when we're going to read, we see that Jesus is actually on his way to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is, is the city that he hasn't visited until the very end of his life. As he's going to go into it, there's going to be this triumphant entry. Everyone's going to be excited. Here comes Jesus. They think he's going to bring freedom in the very physical world that they live in that's under Roman control. But unfortunately, the, the pharisaical people are going to cast judgment on him. They're going to take him before the Sanhedrin, and they're accusing him of crimes that he did not commit and ultimately, they're going to put him on the cross. So Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's on his way to this to finish out the last chapters of this mission that he knows he's been called to do. But before he gets there, something happens. I think it's a pretty significant story. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. If you, want to, you can watch it on the screen. You can also pull it up on your Bible app if you want to as well. It says this in verse 46. It says, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus, his disciples, uh, and, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. Now, I want to stop right there because uh, this interaction that Jesus has with Bartimaeus is going to be uh, the significant story that we talk about here today. But the reason why it's significant is this is because in this time, in this, in this Hebrew culture, you understand that these people, uh, that a guy that was a blind beggar, uh, would never have been referred to in any of these books. And even if you read it into the Bible, many times when it's talked about the blind or the lame or the lepers, very rarely is it something where this, these people are named. And so when, when, when Peter is telling Mark about this, when he's saying, talking about this interaction, he specifically says this man, he's a blind beggar, and he was sitting on the side of the road, and his name was Bartimaeus. There was significance in who this guy was. He, he puts extra value on him by saying what his name is. Now, when it comes to me and my life, sometimes I, I feel like we get to a point where when we're feeling lost, when we're feeling like we're wrapped up in, in this frustration of what's going on in the world, whether it's our financial situation or our job situation, whether it's an at-home family situation, um, maybe it's a health situation, Maybe it's something to, having to do with uh, your, your relationship with your spouse or a lack of spouse. When we get into that point where, where those feelings are so wound up, I feel like the enemy many times wants to mess with us and lie to us and help us and, and make us think that we are not of value, that we are just a number in many people that are going through these same things. But I'm reminded here that, that even in the usage of just his name as a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. The reason why, why, why Peter would have known this, or would have signified this, is because it meant something to Jesus. This interaction that he had with Bartimaeus was of value. What happens next is, is important. And so I want to remind you as you're going through a time, maybe you're, you're roaming through the land of the woods of, of being lost with whatever your situation is, I, I don't want you to think that you're just one person that's out there on your own. You have value, you have an identity, and the interaction that you're going to have with Jesus this morning or in this situation is of value. It is important to him. As we continue on, it says, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Bartimaeus, this blind beggar, hears that Jesus is coming by, and he starts to shout. Now, when I read this this past week, I thought to myself, I was like, man, it's, it's pretty significant in this. I feel like sometimes when we get to this feeling of lostness, this feeling of frustration or that everything's piled up on top of us, many of us would default to what our culture says is, is that we should think about the things that we don't have, right? I, I don't have enough dollar signs in my bank account. If Man, my life would be so much better if I just, if I just had a spouse that was like this. Or man, I, if my life would be so much better if I didn't have this boss, or maybe, maybe if I was just the boss in this situation. If, if, I would, if I could just have enough time to get through all the things that I need to get through. If, if I had this, we, we get focused on the things that we don't have, and we forget about the things that, that God has given us. And so here specifically, Bartimaeus, he, he, obviously he can't see Jesus coming, but he hears about it, he uses what he does have, and in using what he does have, he takes action. He says, Jesus is coming, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna try to get connected to him. I'm gonna try to do something, I'm gonna try to take a step so I can come in closer to him. So in verse 48, as he's yelling these words, as he's yelling, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want you to connect real quick with that, that this is what he uses. This is the way that he calls Jesus. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. In verse 48, it says, though, it says, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the reason why this part is significant is because you got to understand, as a blind beggar in the community that you live in, the way that you were supported, the way that you were able to feed yourself, the way you were able to take care of yourself or your family if you had one, was simply by the generosity of the community that was around you. So this guy probably woke up early every morning, sat out by the road, and he asked people for help. But what people thought about him on that side of the road determined whether they helped him or not. And so literally his his well-being, his welfare is based, based on the, what the community thinks about him. In this moment, they're telling Bartimaeus, hey, be quiet. Stop causing such a ruckus. Stop speaking out. Stop stepping out. Just be quiet. But he says specifically in this, he says, I, I don't care what my community says about me. I don't care what the world around me says I should do. I've got an opportunity. I want to step into the opportunity. I think many times we get into uh, these lost type situations and we forget that opposition is really just an opportunity. That there's chance for us to grow in the midst of what we're going through. That really when, when we want when we want to when we want to give up what we really need to do is double down and specifically he says 
he shouted louder, son, uh, son of David, have mercy on me. And here's where Jesus comes back. In Mark chapter 10, verse 49. So when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said to him, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man, cheer up, they said. Come on, uh, or, come on, he's calling you. So Bartimaeus said, threw away his coat. He jumped up and he came to Jesus. I, I think in the midst of our opportunities that, that maybe we don't see, we need to know that, that when they come, it, it does require some movement on our part. It does require some action, some stepping out, some stepping into and towards what Jesus wants us to do. In verse 51, this is, uh, this is the part that I thought was funny. Here's Jesus. He clearly knows what's going on with blind Bartimaeus. After years of, of healing people, healing the blind and the sick and the lame, uh, doing these fantastic miracles throughout the land, here comes this blind man walking towards him, and Jesus says this. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, is there any doubt in your mind that Jesus knew exactly what Bartimaeus already wanted? Jesus, Jesus already knew what it was. I'm reminded, though, as, as I look at my kids, uh, how many times they've come to me, um, especially Ben lately. We're on this kick for RC cars. And, uh, man, don't you know, none of the RC cars that you buy in the store these days are that given to you. None of them come with batteries. What's up with that? And so my life has consisted of in the past few months of like always having to figure out how to like unscrew something. It's always like a weird screwdriver. Dad, you know what I'm going through, right? There's like, and not everyone can just pick like, why can't we just pick double A's for all of them, right? Why can't, it's always got to be like these weird types of batteries we got to put in. And so with Ben, it's like, Dad, will you do this? And, and when he brings it to me, I already know what he needs. I already get it. But rather than Rather than me going and just doing it, just opening the, just opening the, the thing and putting the batteries in, here, son, go for it. To do this thing, I'm like, well, what, what's, I, I help him work through it. I help him take the little screwdriver and unscrew it and put the battery in together and we screw it down. I already, I already know what he needs, but to help him walk through it, I think is important. I think sometimes we forget that when we're going through these lost situations. We forget that we, we just want to get to the other side. We just want to get through what we're going through. But sometimes Jesus says, like, hey, in this opportunity, let me teach you. Let me see how you're going to react. Let me see if you can help figure this out on your own. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. And what happens next is incredibly significant. He's been calling him son of David the whole time. Bartimaeus has been referring to Jesus the Christ. He, said, he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But he adjusts here. And in, in this moment where Jesus says, what do you want from me? He switches the term. He says, he doesn't call him son of David anymore. He says, my Rabbi. Now that, that might not mean a lot to you, but but Rabbi was a, a a very intimate term. It was a it was something that communicated closeness. Eric and I have been talking at uh, at, at, 
extensively uh, about this uh, type of relationship that a rabbi uh, and a disciple would have with one another. And there was this, this, this old Hebrew term, this saying that they would say as a, uh, as a, as a significant um, communication of, 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 of leaving. They would say, uh, I hope that you stay so close to your rabbi that the dust from their feet would cover your body. Now, it's one of those things where it's not, that, that's not really what it means. What it was talking about is that you would follow so closely with them that you would give of your life so much to be around them and learn from them that you would capture every little bit of thing that you could from following their life. And so here, Bartimaeus, he doesn't just say, he doesn't identify Jesus who he is. He says he connects to him as master and teacher and leader. He submits himself he says, my rabbi, my master, my leader. He goes on, he says, I want, I want to see. I think sometimes in those feelings of being lost in the woods or being in the, the valley of the life that we're in, going through the tough season, I think the thing that some of us need to connect with the most is the idea of understanding who are we, who are we really following. One, how did we get there? But who's the, who's the master of our life? Who's the rabbi? Are we following closely enough so that the dust of his shoes would be covered on us? The man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. I think specifically when we're, we're lost, there's some pieces that we need to know, things that we need to do. The first one is to understand that we are of value, that we're not just another number on the line somewhere of people that are going through tough, tough times. Jesus wants to have that interaction with us and help us with what we're going through. He knows about it better than even we do. It doesn't mean that he's gonna help us zoom past the thing that we're going through. It might take some days, it might take some months, it might be a, a tough season of life. But make sure and understand that in the opposition that there's still opportunity for you to learn, for you to become better. Maybe he's trying to work some things in you that he needs you to get for what's next. Ultimately, I think it comes down to, boiling down to who we say is master of our life. I want to share a story with you uh, about my own life this past week. Like I told you guys, uh, the Nichols family, we've been going through a little bit of a cold uh, season, which is super weird in the middle of the summer. I don't get it whatsoever. Uh, but my kids came home with something from the last week of school, and, and it's uh, been tough to shake. And so Monday, after church, I went to uh, the doctor. And uh, I was just like, man, I got to you know, do something to get over this. What's Help me out. Give me, some, give, me some, give me a shot in the butt or whatever it is. Give me some steroids. Help me. Help me feel better. And, um, you know, unfortunately, because of the season of 
COVID that we went through years ago. I had COVID twice. I ended up having double pneumonia for one of those uh, seasons, and uh, and my lungs really took a hit, and uh, and just my immune system. It seems like I'm more susceptible to getting sick. And so uh, I went in, and they did some tests and said, you know, I didn't have COVID or anything like that. Uh, but one of the things they were worried about is because of my past history, they said, let's take a chest x-ray and make sure you don't still have pneumonia. And so when I went in, they did a chest x-ray, and, and that was about, uh, I don't know, maybe 12 o'clock in the afternoon, right around lunchtime. And about 6 o'clock, I get a call from the doctor, which is a little odd because it's a little bit later in the night, you know, towards the evening. And uh, the doctor said, hey, you know, Brian, I don't want to alarm you or anything, but I, I'm going to schedule you to get a CT scan done. And uh, I had talked to him. I said, well, I, you said there was nothing on the, the X-ray, and, you know, so why do I need to get a CT scan? And uh, the doctor said, well, the radiologist looked at it, and uh, it appears that you have a mass on one of your lungs. And, uh, and we don't like the way it looks, so we need to get some better pictures of it. And so we want to schedule you in the next couple of days to go get a CT scan. And hearing this, this was, uh, was a pretty tough thing for Eric and I to, to hear. Because it was one of those things where we've had similar situations and with other family members, they've gone through tough situations like this. People in our church have experienced things like this. People that are close to us. And um, it's hard to not feel like life is very fragile when you get news like this. And immediately I, I was overwhelmed with fears and worries and, and stresses, much, much like even like I'm using this illustration of, of being lost because of, of, I, I didn't know what the next step to be was or to, the next step to do. Because I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I, like, like I'm just going to be transparent. Like, I've not uh, financially set my family up successfully, successfully yet to be to a point where I could just step away and they're going to be all right. Uh, the, even for, I have worries about Coastline. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Coastline would go on fantastically without me. But all these worries and creep over me and, and fears and, and the thought of, of my nine-year-old girl, Olivia, and the thinking, you know, you, you, your brain goes to the extremes of, like, man, and, and north of a decade, someone's going to have to walk her down the aisle, and what about if that person isn't me? And so the next couple of days seemed like they could have been months. There's nothing that we could do, Eric and I prayed. I went in to get the CT scan, and even as the lady's putting the little IV thing in me for contrast, I'm, I'm praying. I'm saying, Jesus, I don't, I don't know what the next step is. I'm lost in this situation. But if there's something for me to learn, if there's something for me to do, if there's an opportunity, show me what it is, and I'll do it. Took the CT scan, and the next day the doctor calls me. She says, Brian, I'm... You know, I want you to come in because I want you to, I want to share your results with you. I'm like, okay. So we send the kids to babysitter, and Eric and I go in. We sit down with the doctor, and the doctor sits down, and he's like, well, we just need to want to make sure and let you know that the CT scans were completely clear. There was nothing there. We didn't see anything. 
There's no infection. There's no mass. There's absolutely nothing to be worried about. And which Erica's next thing was like, you can't just text us that. I mean, we got to come in here together. We got to have a conversation. Like, we're literally sweating bullets here. Like, nothing. They don't know what it was, but they said it was everything looked completely clear. I can't help but think that in the midst of that, though, in the midst of feeling lost, that when we don't have any control, we need to understand that Jesus is always the way that we should turn. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this. It says, Jesus told him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I want to challenge you today with whatever you're going through. Maybe it's a health issue. Um, maybe it's financial struggles. Maybe it's a job situation or a marriage situation. Uh, I'm going to tell you, based off of what I've experienced this week and the feelings I had, I, I don't think any of these have higher weight than the other. I understand the stress and the frustration and the feeling of fear that can be uh, swept over you. It can be overwhelming. I want to give you hope and understand that you're not going through this alone. The things that you're dealing with, you're not in it alone. You don't have to be in it alone. If anyone says that you're alone, man, that person's a liar. Whatever's telling you in your brain that you're alone, that's not the case. Because it wasn't just a blind beggar on the side of the road. It was blind Bartimaeus who had a significant interaction with Jesus. And Jesus changed his life forever. And the same thing as what Jesus wants to do with you today. For whatever you're dealing with, whatever feeling of loss that you're having or fears, Jesus wants to have a significant interaction with you. And so with every head about every eye closed, no one looked around. This is just between you and him. If you're here today and you need Jesus to come in and do a work in your life, to do work in your marriage, to do work in your finances, to do work in your health. I think much like what Barmanus did in, in stepping out of what is comfortable, I think it requires a stepping out on our part. And so I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. But if you're here today and you say, Jesus, I need you to step into this specific situation, it's between you and him. I just want you to put a hand up and put it right back down. You're taking a physical step. You're saying, Jesus, you know what I'm going through. You know the struggle that I'm in. You know the lostness and the fear that I'm feeling. I need you to step into this. I'm going to give it over to you. I'm going to call you rabbi in this situation. You're the master. You're the leader. You are my teacher. Jesus, with all the hands that went up, you know exactly the details of every situation. So I pray that in this moment that you would step in, that you would allow healing to happen, that because of people's faith and trusting in you, as they put their hope in you, that that faith is the catalyst that allows change to happen in their lives in which healing can happen. Jesus, I thank you so much as we continue to trust in you, that we know that you are the way, you are our true north, you are our compass as we follow you through these situations. The best.
is still yet to come. Have your way. Jesus, on our best day, on our worst day, and every day in between, I call you my rabbi, my teacher, my master, my leader. And we surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.